The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Let me tell you about who deserves a shot in the United States. Let's hear it. I'm the champion. I ought to know. You know, I've, I've been sizing up guys since I came to the WCW. And I think the one guy that stands out the most, the guy that I think has earned a title shot, L. Dandy, I think you're a heck of a wrestler. You're a great technician in the ring, and you're a jam-up guy. Whoa. I don't see any Whoa. reason. Wait a minute. L. Dandy has been wrestling in, in, in the cruiserweight division here. Please. He's a great wrestler. Great wrestler, but thank goodness sakes, it's 50 pounds. Who are you to, to, to doubt L. Dandy? This guy's a serious professional. Well, let's talk about some serious How about, the, how about hypnosis? Let's get thrown Psychosis? Psychosis? Whatever, whatever. He's a great wrestler. You know. Hello, and welcome to episode 223 of the WrestleCast. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my SmackDown Matters correspondent, Miss Didi Jonet. Hey, friend. What's going on, friend? I'm not much. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, we haven't asked you this question in a while. Okay. What you got in your cup for the distraction finished drinking um, game? Well, because I have turned my life over to a version of keto, and because I had a rum and coke, no, no, let me not lie. I had a Jack and Ginger. Then I had a Jameson and Ginger. And I had a margarita before that. Um, so, yeah, that was all the alcohol I can have in a week. Oh. So I don't have anything in my cup except good old H2O. Okay, okay. So how's the, this is like Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast. How's your uh, diet going? How's the keto working out? Keto was real good until I drank the damn Jameson and Ginger. <laughs> Everything was going wonderful until I did that. So I have that's the other reason why I have to have the water because. <clears throat> but before that, it was great. Yeah, uh-huh. he would be proud. Yeah. Okay. All right. And returning after a couple of week hiatus, it's none other than the Rawcast broadcast journalist himself, Magnum Prime. What's going on, G? Good to be back. Um, just waiting on the next politician to turn up in blackface. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like it was a thing because uh, they did some digging and uh, yeah, some people in the uh, UNC back in the 80s were uh, in that black face too. So doesn't seem like it was an isolated incident. It's quite popular. I mean, you know, even in wrestling, you know, we had Piper who did at least half of that. He did half of blackface back in the day. Yeah. But he didn't go full blackface. You don't go full blackface. <laughs> Roddy Piper being the conscious one about it all. The irony. <laughs> so we'll talk about what happened at halftime of the Super Bowl to start the show out. That is Sunday Night Heat. So, Miss Didi Jonet, did you watch? Mm, I just want the WWE to know that their schedule is a lie. And they lie a lot. So, yeah, I watched it. I found it eventually. Because what I'm talking about is it said it started at 8.15. It started a little bit before that. But if you click on the 8.15, when it was supposed to start, there was no show. So you had to click on the thing that was supposed to have ended but hadn't. I'm being dramatic. But I like it when my technology is easy. And it wasn't easy. So I don't like it. (laughs) But I watched it. And it was amazing. Making prime? But it just took effort. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Magnum Prime, how about you? Yeah, I watched it. I I enjoyed it. I did catch it on uh, on YouTube after the, I guess that like six hours of the streams for NXT, which I which I thought was pretty cool. 
Yeah, yeah. Apparently, the rumor is that, you know, Fox is trying to get more content than just SmackDown. And everybody's pointing to NXT being the thing that gets moved to FS1 or one of these other Fox uh, networks. So this might have been like their test run. Oh, boy. To kind of get everybody like acclimated to it. And if you're going to do something like that, that's pretty smart. Try them out there at the Super Bowl because it's going to be as many people watching TV as possible. And one day, and if you can get a fraction of those people to, to watch your little 20-minute match, then that's pretty good. Yeah, it is, but I, I just hate to see Vince get involved with it. Hopefully, it, they'll keep everything the same. <laughs> they'll just be like, the only thing that'll be different is it'll just be bar- broadcast on a different station than we're used to, and maybe on a different night, but... Hopefully, uh, they'll just keep, you know, letting Shawn Michaels and Triple H and whomever else down there kind of keep running it to themselves. But this Sunday night heat matchup was the Bubba Team Dream, Ricochet, Aleister Black versus Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa. It comes down to Ricochet and Adam Cole with Ricochet kicking out of the Panama Sunrise, uh, Adam Cole's uh, Canadian destroyer that he does off the second rope, which he hadn't broke out in quite a while. Um, Adam Cole, um, after he hits this, Ricochet's in the ring, and then all three of the heels are in the ring, and they all hit triple super kicks to Ricochet. But Aleister Black breaks up the pin, and the Velveteen Dream is tagged in. Adam Cole gets hit with the Black Mass, then he gets hit with the 450 Splash before the Dream gets the pinfall with a purple rainmaker elbow drop for the win. So this was a sprint of a match. This is what probably PWG fans and people of super duper indies would like to see all wrestling be. It, it was just like dive, super kick, high move, you know, high spot, dive, super kick, pinfall, near fall, you know, dive, super kick. So it was a lot of fun. Miss Didi Jone, your analysis, anything that stood out to you? Uh, not so much. It, uh, I don't particularly like the whole dark building thing. Now, the performance center, you didn't like the way it was? Yeah, I don't lit. like the, the, the way that they light it. They did that with um, the Women's Evolution. And it's just like, I don't know if they're like saying it's, it's a small venue, so I don't want you to see the back. So that you don't know that it's not like thousands of people, but it just looks chintzy and cheap. It just looks poorly lit as opposed to looking like intimate or whatever, I guess. I don't know. It's just a, a weird thing that I don't like. I've That's got the old school yeah. feel. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. I, I, I don't like it. It's, it's, it's not my aesthetic. I could go for like an NXT UK where it's not like, oh, look at all the shiny lights, but it's still well lit. I can see everything. It looked nice. And it's just me. Alright. I'm picky. I'm a Virgo. It's not my fault. Is <laughs> you money? Your thoughts on uh the showcase that these guys put on, uh, and how everybody you thought performed in their role? Uh, you know, I I thought it was well put together. Um 
it really worked for the amount of time that they had to work with. That I'm sure that was something that they considered. And I, I thought it was a success. Yeah, definitely for a 20 year anniversary, definitely worth the, the wait. And uh, again, Velveteen Dream comes out on top of this thing. He had a very, very interesting uh, week where he won the one worlds collide or worlds collide uh, tournament with do NXT NXT UK and two hundred five live had a tournament at Access that they showed over the weekend on the network and Velveteen Dream won that match so won the tournament rather so he gets to have a title shot against any champion that he wants at a NXT now so that'll be something to watch for going forward but. Cool event, cool showcase, and uh, Velveteen Dream comes out in the Patriots colors, so he's a winner. Monday Night Raw was in Portland, so we're going to Washington Loop. Uh, it's, you know, black to start after the little WWF Forever thing, and before you even see who's in the ring, the fans are already booing. I was like, good Lord, this ain't about to be good. So it's Stephanie McMahon. She's in the ring. She gets interrupted by the man, Becky Lynch. She makes her way out to the ring. We look back at last week's segment from Raw where Becky said that she was choosing Ronda Rousey to be her opponent at WrestleMania. Stephanie says that she's never seen anyone go to toe-to-toe with Ronda and smile. Becky says that why wouldn't she be smiling when she won the Royal Rumble and was headed to WrestleMania? Well, she's going to slap Ronda's head off. Didi, how do you feel about this promo so far? Big fan, big fan, big fan. <laughs> Stephanie replies that no one wants to see Becky do that to Ronda more than her, but notices that Becky isn't walking too quickly, and that's how she's doing. Then we get a look at the end of the Royal Rumble match where Becky gets injured. Stephanie says that Becky's all heart, but she has to seek, but she has yet to seek medical attention. Becky says she doesn't want to deal with the doctors, and Stephanie reminds her on the situation when Nia Jax broke her nose. She says she can't let Becky compete if she isn't medically cleared. Becky sees what's happening and says she's not moving for anyone. She struggled to get to this point, and Stephanie doesn't know anything about struggling, and she's never had to struggle for anything in her life. She's just another daddy's girl who's never had to fight trying to stop Becky from fighting for everything. Becky says she has fought every step of the way to get her WrestleMania match, and no doctor is going to take it away from her. Stephanie says that Becky earned the match, but it's a liability if she isn't cleared. She says Becky can be cleared as long as her knee isn't worse than it seems. She promises it isn't a plot, but it's concerned for Becky's health. She threatens to suspend Becky until she sees a doctor. Becky says she won't do it, and Stephanie says she doesn't want to, but she has to suspend Becky until she does go see the doctor. So, Becky punches Steph and tries to put her in a disarmor. The officials and referees come down to the ring, and Becky's eventually pulled away from Stephanie. Um, but before that, you know, right when they're pulling her away, Stephanie, like, kicked her in the knee. So, Becky has trouble standing, and she slowly walks up the ramp. So, we'll stop here, give some analysis on... The in-ring promo, G-Money, how'd you feel about Stephanie and Becky going toe-to-toe, face-to-face here on the mic? Yeah, I thought it was cool, but again, you know, I, I've I've seen this 
before. I saw this, you know, about 20 years or so ago uh, with another McMahon in the, in the ring. So uh, it, it wasn't fresh uh, for me, but I, I kind of see where where they're going with this. So I, I'm, I'm going to put up with it. I'm going to shut up, sit back, enjoy the show. All right. Miss Didi Jeanne? Hmm. Well, my mother didn't let me watch Raw 20 years ago, so this is very new to me. It's great. Um, <laughs> as long as Becky's there at WrestleMania, I don't particularly care how this goes. So I'll just wait and see. All right. So we come back from the commercial break, and Becky is walking through the backstage area surrounded by the refs and the trainers when Becky sees Ronda Rousey and the two come face to face. Rhonda tells Becky that she tests the limits of her professionalism every time she sees her, but she would keep her cool because she has matches and pay-per-views to sell. Oh, bitch. <laughs> she asks Becky if what she did tonight is going to help sell their pay-per-view match now that she's suspended because now she's robbed everyone of their first main event at WrestleMania. Rhonda asks Becky what she's doing at Raw. Because she needs to rest up so she can get her ass beat at WrestleMania against Ronda. Ronda tells Lynch to try some Advil and ice, bitch. I mean, no. Your your friend Samuel Kalunga has um a transcript of exactly what Ronda said in her speech. And if he wrote it correctly, that is the weirdest monologue I have ever heard. Like, the senses don't have anything to do with one another. It's, like, flowery language that nobody actually uses. Like, who wrote that? Did you write it? Or did that? Is that really just what came out of your mind? Like, it, it was awful. But she ended with the bitch, so it's like, ooh. It felt some kind of way. So, we have one vote for not a fan of the Ronda Rousey promo. G Money, your your thoughts on Ronda's retort here? It wasn't impressive. It wasn't, but I mean, it's not like she's been really doing it for a, a long time. She's getting to the point to where okay, now she needs to get her stuff together. But I actually care more so about her in ring product, and I think that makes up for what she does on the mic. All right. So speaking of her in-ring product, Ronda Rousey is taking on as Miss Didi Jeanne calls her three-second Liv Morgan. Logan tries to get involved on the outside, allowing Liv to capitalize on the distraction. So Ronda takes a swing, which causes Liv to do the Matrix, but Ronda strikes her in the abdomen. Let me take my distraction drink here. <laughs> Got to do it for the call since I'm the only one participating tonight. Rousey continues with multiple punches and then applies the arm bar for the tap out. After the match, Ronda grabs the mic and she yells about the fans booing her and the riot squad glaring at her. She tells, what a weakling. <laughs> she tells someone that they need to do something about it if they have a problem. So she challenges Sarah Logan and that prompts another match. Sarah Logan versus Ronda Rousey. Rousey has Logan in a triangle choke. Logan picks her up and slams her into the turnbuckles to escape. Logan stomps Rousey in the corner. Rousey counters with a few strikes and then a judo toss. Ronda follows it up with several punches and the armbar and Sarah Logan is forced to tap out. 
So Ronda poses with the title as Ruby Riot climbs up on the apron. It seems like she's going to challenge Rousey, but instead she decides to exit up the ramp with the Riot Squad. Backstage, Ruby says that she didn't run away from anything. There's no doubt in her mind that she can beat Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship, but the squad is hurt tonight. She says that the Riot Squad will do anything for one another, and that's something someone like Rousey, an opportunist, knows nothing about. Can I raise my hand? Yes, ma'am. The Riot Squad is just like Shayna Baszler and her bitches on NXT. So. Minus the MMA gimmick, but it's the but it's the same difference. So if she has anything out her mouth to say about what Ron, what what's her name does, and she'd be like, "But your best friend though, <laughs> but all of them though." But that's just me. I'm petty. Miss Didi's her name with the extra hot takes tonight. I like it. Listen, listen, listen. You can't get on the microphone and complain about the fans booing you. That's not how that works. That's embarrassing. They didn't prepare that girl. They they weren't ready for Becky. <laughs> yeah, they didn't expect this to happen at all. The Becky mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. It would it would have been okay had Becky not come in, but now they booing the girl. She don't know how to react, and she histrionic, but she ain't even histrionic in character. So it's just like, ooh, cause just don't pick up the mic. It's not working. As heavy machinery approached the ring for the match, we see a video clip of Tucker and Dozovic saying that weights and shakes are the name of the game. They say that they're not the typical meatheads and they want to use their smiles to lift the WWE Universe's spirits. That's adorable. <laughs> Sasha and Bailey are talking to one another as the star of the show, Charlie Caruso, asked the ladies if their failures would affect their match against Alicia Fox and Nikki Cross. Banks doesn't like that she used the word failure, but Bailey calms Banks down and explains that all that matters is that they they brought Ronda to her limits in their title shots. They said it's all about tag teams tonight in an elimination chamber. The Boss and Hug Connection will win and make history. Cross and Fox approach and tell the ladies that they won't be making it to elimination chamber. Cross says that nobody wanted to play with Cross, but the Fox embraced her. She She tells Banks and Bailey that chaos is fair. Alicia adds that you don't cross the fox. Yo, I, when did Charlie get the key? Like, she's such an asshole, but it's great. <laughs> she just turned, hey, uh, Greg, she just turned into the uh, Jim Gray of uh, <laughs> pro wrestling. <laughs> like, that whole... Good the whole night for three hours she was spitting hot fire about how trash everybody she talked to was I was like how dare you but this is so interesting because for all these years like none of these background people have had a personality like the last one who had a personality was Michael Cohn when he was being a scared little bitch like none of them have any personality and here she is being a whole asshole to everybody I was like that that was a great choice Give that person a raise. <laughs> yeah, everybody, even in the uh, in the live tweet, everybody was like, damn, Charlie out here being real spicy tonight to everybody. And I was like, she got a nerve. And do you know, apparently Charlie has fans up on the um, hashtag. Oh, yeah. Charlie yeah. Caruso. Please say the Caruso. 
Mm, please say that you don't know me, so you will get blocked if you act up in my mentions. Because FYI, I don't know you like that. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I've been having a, a week. <laughs> Let's move on. It's highly entertaining. <laughs> so we have a four corners number one contender tag team match between the B team, Heavy Machinery, Lucha, House Party, and the Revival. Otis and, Otis and Bo Dallas are the legal men, but everyone starts resting the ring and getting taken out. Otis comes in with a double shoulder tackle on the B team. Otis hits a big splash on Bo in the corner and then the Caterpillar for a two count. Big Tucker Knight delivers a suplex to Axel and Dozovich slams Bo. Dawson tags in. He tries to pin Bo Dallas, but he only gets a two count. Wilder tags in and the Revival hit the Shatter Machine and we get the one, two, three on Bo Dallas and the Revival. After they said, hey, we want about this joint, they win, and they are the new number one contenders for the tag team titles. Nice. G-Money, squeaky wheel gets the oil, huh? Yeah. We'll see how long this wheel spins, though. (laughs) (laughs) Backstage, Zack Ryder greets Kurt Hawkins and tells him that eventually they'll be out there as the number one contenders. Hawkins reminds Ryder, how toxic he is with all of his losses. Ryder tells Hawkins that WWE spelled his name wrong when he entered the ring last week. He said he'd been here for 13 years. They spelled my name wrong. And he says that his point is, he's a loser, just like Kurt Hawkins. He says that it won't be for too long because they were once the tag team champions and they're going to end the losing streak together. Good luck. <laughs> Kurt Angle comes down to the ring and grabs the microphone and tells the audience that over the past 20 years he has accomplished everything that he's wanted to accomplish he remembers his match with Shawn Michaels at Wrestlemania the night he sold the ring with milk and his time as general manager he brings up Jason Jordan as a son he never knew he had and he thanks the fans for the you suck chance and he says that his signature three eyes have turned into the three D's, doubt, defeat, and depression. He remembers his recent losses and is disappointed that this is the result after winning a gold medal with a broken freaking neck. Angle <laughs> says that the opponent he cannot defeat is Father Time. He's interrupted by everybody's favorite bartender, Baron Gorman. Corbin asks Angle what he's doing this for. He says he did this to himself and he should have made this speech at the Hall of Fame two years ago. Corbin tells him that he should have just made matches as a general manager and not been in them. Corbin tells him that he's broken down and a shadow of a man. Angle says that this shadow of a man will break his ankle in two. Hmm. Drew McIntyre enters. McIntyre tells Angle that he can't help himself. He's about to accept his fate and move on. And then he says he'll break the ankle of a man that'll beat, that beat him last week. McIntyre says that he was a warrior, but all he saw in his match with Angle was fear, right before he tapped to his own ankle lock. He says that Angle has no quit in his body, and he's going to keep showing up until somebody does something drastic. He tells Portland to shut their mouths, get their cameras ready, because it will be the last time Angle is ever in a WWE ring. McIntyre and Corbin surround the ring, but Braun Strowman enters and makes a charge for them. Inside the ring, Angle hits Corbin with a few rights and then sends him over the top rope. Meanwhile, Strowman sends McIntyre face first off the steel ring post. 
Strowman chases after Corbin and then throws an office chair at him. <laughs> McIntyre and Corbin jump into the audience and escape to the backstage area. And the announcers mention how Angle seemed like he was going to retire, but we still don't really know what the point to what his promo was. All right, Miss Didi Jonet, I know you're mm. highly entertained by Braun throwing furniture. It's been a while since we've seen him do that. Yes. Uh, I enjoy it greatly. How'd you feel uh, Kurt Angle presented himself here? Um, I really like the salt and pepper in his beard. It's giving me all of the things that I need. Um, Yeah, that's about it. (laughs) So, G, how long do you think they can keep diverting Drew McIntyre away from the main event title picture? It seems like they keep pairing him up with Baron Corbin, giving him little detours instead of Seems like he's destined for the main events, but maybe it's going to be the end of this year or maybe next year before he starts, you know, really competing for the title, huh? Yeah, I mean, it'll definitely have to be after the the belt is, you know, removed from Brock. So I can understand why they're waiting. But, yeah, his time should definitely be coming. But um, if they want to make a baby face, though, you just keep the belt on Brock, let him go through one more cycle, and then beat him at SummerSlam. Whoever that is will be the biggest baby face in the company. Yeah, but who? Braun. I mean, they could, but he he's come up short so many times before, and it looked, it looked bad. It wasn't like it was... It was close. It's kind of like he was out of class. But, I mean, I I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was something to where he was getting punished or they felt like they couldn't trust him. But, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous that he's had to wait so long. But I don't know if Brock really wants to wait that much longer. So, Brock's a mercenary, man. Is good mind. Look here. If that test don't come out right, when you know, he gets close, <laughs> you know exactly where he's going to be, right? That's true. All right. So we'll see. Keep, keep an eye on uh, later in about a couple, about, about two more months or so. They should be getting ready to do that because he's supposed to fight in July. So they got to start getting that stuff in. We see a video package recapping Seth Rollins' victory in the men's Royal Rumble match. He's conf- And then his confrontation with Brock on Monday Night Raw. Then we get the image for the Universal Championship match at WrestleMania 35, Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins. We'll have a news alert right here. Seth Rollins is dealing with a back injury, so he is not cleared to compete. So that's the reason why he was not at Monday Night Raw. But it's actually a good thing that he is hurt because it would not make a lot of sense for him to be on TV after he just took six F5s. So kept him from making illogical choices that he couldn't wrestle. So Bailey, she's entering the arena. They're coming out to their music and Nikki Cross and Alicia Fox attack her. They drag Sasha Banks out from the backstage area. The two women pummel and beat them until Bailey starts to fight back. She tosses Nikki Cross off and then mounts Alicia Fox and then she starts throwing multiple punches. Nikki Cross comes back and the two women ran Bailey into the screen on the stage. They tossed Bailey down the ramp, then they continued the assault on the down Sasha Banks. 
the announcers are wondering if the women's tag match is still going to take place after the commercial break. So we're getting the match at Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Nikki Cross and Alicia Fox to qualify for the women's tag team title match at the Elimination Chamber. Bailey fights out of the tree of woe, but Nikki connects with the Bulldog for a two count. Nikki kicks Bailey out of the ring and then knocks her down with a cross body off the apron. Then Nikki comes running after Bailey, but Sasha pulls her out of the way, forcing Banks to, I mean, excuse me, forcing Nikki to collide with the ring post. Alicia Fox tags in, but Bailey rolls her up for the one, two, three. So the Boston Hug connection are moving on to the elimination chamber. All right, the news clip here is that, tell me if you heard this before. Shasta Banks is injured, and she isn't cleared to really compete, so that's the reason why she ain't do nothing the whole match except for pull Bailey out the way and labor on the apron the whole match. So, oh, really? I didn't yeah. even notice. <laughs> so they're hoping that she'll be cleared next week and in hope of that she'll be able to make it to the elimination chamber. So I don't know what the backup plan will be. If she can't make it, but they'll probably do the same thing where she gets taken out and not be able to make it into the match or something. So hopefully she gets better. I don't know what she's got, but they haven't said, so it may be a concussion. That's my first mm-hmm. thought whenever they'll be like, she's hurt, but they don't release what, what is hurt. Mm. Mm. I truly didn't notice that she didn't wrestle in that match. <laughs> yeah, she didn't do nothing. Apollo Cruz says that he's surprised that Kurt Angle was competing tonight, but he glad, but he's glad that he is. Apollo says that the guy won a gold medal with a broken freaking neck, so he can have a few bad matches. Razor and Drake Maverick confront Cruz and tell him that Angle doesn't stand a chance tonight. Cruz asks Razor if he has to stick his hand up his uh, puppet's ass to make him talk like that. Razor gets in Apollo Cruz's face, but Drake Maverick calms him down. G Money's favorite part of the night. The Road Dog comes out, hype the crowd up, do the classic DX intro. He gives Jarrett a nice intro as Jeff Jarrett music hits. Then Jarrett and Road Dog get to sing Alone with My Baby Tonight. Elias interrupts and tells them that the song that they're singing is just like them. It has an age well. He gives them a flurry of insults and says that he turned down the Super Bowl halftime show to come to Portland, a city who doesn't even have a football team. He explains that he was going to play a song for Portland, but they're not worth it. Elias tells the uh, Road Dog and Jarrett that they can keep up with the nostalgia act, but it doesn't change what WWE stands for. Miss TV, this is what you're supposed to say. Oh my gosh, I am so sorry. It stands for Walk with Elias. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Jarrett says, Hey, Chico, don't sing it, bring it. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett versus Elias. Elias goes over, knocks out the road dog on the outside of the ring. The distraction allows Jeff Jarrett to gain some momentum, and he connects with a big clothesline, and then he does his leg attack on the ropes. Jarrett struts and connects with an enziguri. Road dog is on the apron. He gets knocked down by Elias again. Elias connects with the drift away, and he gets the pin on Jeff Jarrett. After the match, Road Dog comes in. He strikes Elias with his signature fl- flurry of punches. Jeff Jarrett brings in the guitar. Road Dog tells Elias to suck it 
as Jeff Jarrett Wax, Elias with the guitar. It didn't break, though. Yeah, he picked up the wrong guitar. What? Oh, it broke. It broke like a little bitty sliver on like the very bottom part. Oh. And yeah, and you could tell it was the real deal by the way Elias was rolling around on the ground and a referee was just like trying to check on him. Yeah, it wasn't good at all. How'd he pick up the wrong guitar? He did that shit on purpose. It happens. <laughs> Hating on my Elias. It happens from time to time. His guitar skills are trash. Good thing they don't hit him over the head no more with it because that really would have been yeah. bad. Ask Jake the Snake about that. Yeah, I was about to say, wasn't wasn't that Jake the Snake who took that and it went bad on him? Yeah. So backstage, Dana Brooke tells Natalia that she's really sorry about causing them to lose the tag match last week on Brawl. Dana says that Natalia not tells Natalia not to give her the silent treatment. She becomes frustrated and then tells Natty that she's going to ask Vince McMahon for a one-on-one match with her next week to prove herself. As she leaves, Natalia pulls out her earbuds and looks confused about what Dana had to say. So, Didi Jonay, let me mm. talk to you about something for a second. Yes. Something looked different about Natty. Yes. I don't know what it was. Maybe because she was in her regular-ass clothes and not her ring gear with her hair and her rustling attire look. It might have. It might have been the lack of cat ears. Maybe. maybe maybe, not the big jacket so she didn't look like her shoulders were huge. Or maybe she just got a different makeup artist. Or maybe she had some surgical injectable help. I don't know. But she absolutely looks different. I think she looks better. Yeah, I thought so. I was like, okay, Nabby, here we go. It might just be regular clothes, hair down, no cat ears. Sometimes it's simple stuff. Right. Yeah, she definitely looked really good on Monday. All right. Uh, poor Dana. Poor Dana. First of all, don't talk to people who have their back to you. <laughs> Weirdo. <laughs> I come back. That's what matters in life. Backstage, Finn Balor says that the Irish are stubborn when wounded. He says his elbow is hurt from Lesnar and his ribs are hurt, but he's still here to fight for the title. Balor says that he won't be held down. He's going to take the fight to Bobby Lashley, just like he did to Brock Lesnar. He says he'll be taking the Intercontinental Championship. And then Finn enters the arena. We see replays of his match with Lesnar at the Royal Rumble and the attack by Lashley the night after. Leo Rush gets on the mic and tells Finn that he's out here looking like a mummy with his ribs taped up. Rush tells him that this is a mouse versus a Mack truck. Lashley then grabs the mic and then says that Finn, he couldn't beat Lesnar. And yet, Bobby Lashley is better than Brock Lesnar. He says that he needs to start fighting people his own size, and instead of a title match tonight, he has to face Leo Rush. If he's entertaining enough, Bobby says that he will give Finn a title match. Finn Balor versus Leo Rush. Before the match can even begin, Lashley cheap shots Finn and drives him into the turnbuckles. Lashley continues the attack until he finally grabs his title and leaves the scraps for Leo Rush. Balor connects with the sling blade. Balor tries to follow it up, but gets rolled up for a two count. Leo Rush keeps on the attack and then goes for his huge frog splash. Finn dodges. Then he gives him the shotgun drop kick into the corner turnbuckles. Finn then scales to the top rope. Finn hits the coup de gras, and he gets the one, two, three. Bobby Lashley comes running down to the ring after the match, but Finn slides out and celebrates his victory on the, re- on the ramp. 
Then we see replays from the match as Finn continues posing on the stage. Paige came out. She said, hey, remember me? Watch the trailer for my movie. Have a good night. Good talk. Good talk. (laughs) Now we come back. It's time for a moment of bliss. Alexa introduces her guest for tonight's talk show. It's EC3. EC3 comes out. He poses a little bit. He sits down with Alexa. Alexa asks EC3 if he's ready for his moment of bliss. She says he's young, good looking, and she's heard he has a big uh, bank account. Bliss says that she notices that EC3 likes to play hard to get and jump between Raw and SmackDown. She asks EC3 which show he's going to choose, but before he answers, <clears throat> Nia Jax comes out and tells them that no one cares. Nia says that she says that she's sorry, but she's not. Nobody wants to see this nauseating blind date. Nia brings up her time in the men's for a Rumble match and her win with Tamina to qualify for the women's elimination chamber. Nia says that this is actually her moment, not Alexis. Nia says that the whole world is always wondering what she'll do, is already wondering what she'll do next. Maybe she'll fill in for Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. Dean Ambrose's music hits and he comes out onto the stage. He says that he's sorry. He doesn't really want to be out there, but he says he must say something to Nia, and that is, it's obviously that she has a huge crush on him. Ambrose says that it's okay. She doesn't know how to handle his raw sexual magnetism, but he wants her nowhere near him. He asks EC3 who he is, and then knocks the microphone out of his hand. Ambrose says that he's going to take over the interview, and he asks EC3 lightning round questions. He was like, hmm, EC3, what happened to EC1 and 2? It's like, do you like Creed? You like you like Creed. Uh, Ambrose asking why he walks around like a mute Chippendale dancer and never gets inside the ring. In response, EC3 punches Dean Ambrose in the face. So EC3 versus Dean Ambrose. Ambrose gets hit with a back elbow and a fine forearm. EC3 gives Dean a variation of an STO. Ambrose comes back at EC3. He pulls Ambrose in a jackknife cover. And EC3 gets the win. So, gee, I speculated when Dean announced that he was, you know, not going to sign. How were they going to use him? Were they going to take him out? Were they going to set him up to be in an angle? Or were they just going to beat him in the smithereens? Well, looks like he's about to be one of the highest paid jobbers ever in the WWE for the next few months, huh? Hey, why not, man? Just, you know, it's not... Not like the old school where you really had to try to protect yourself if you can going out the door. Collect your check and explore, you know, your better options if there are are available to you. Maybe AEW, whatever. Miss D.D., the funniest part of this whole little part of the moment of bliss was when Dean Ambrose comes out there and uh, (laughs) now it's like, "Uh uh-uh. How you gonna interrupt my interruption? <laughs> it's like I don't know if anybody wrote that for her. She just improvised, but that's pretty good. Oh, Dee Dee, you still there? Cause we need to talk about this supposed Nia Jax hurting our truth when she took him took his spot in the rumble last week. Did you hear that, G? No, I didn't hear that. Yeah, so apparently 
I don't know. It was said that our truth got hurt mm-hmm. when Nia Jax attacked him. And so that's the reason why he got the tag team, the title shot on SmackDown was that was supposed to be the kind of, you know, hey, man, we sorry that, you know, we put you in a spot to get hurt. So here you go. Here's our peace offering. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of speculation going on about how legitimate it was, was the work or whatever. And they kind of did something to kind of turn it, if it was something real, into an angle. So everybody was just questioning it even more. So very interesting uh, situation. But anyway, backstage, Kurt Angle says that he was so close to retiring tonight, but now he's here to join forces with Braun and take out Baron Corbin and Drew McIntyre. Strowman tells Angle that it's an honor that they're teaming together tonight, and McIntyre and Corbin are going to get these hands. Mojo Riley is talking to his mirror again. Riley says that everywhere he goes, everyone wants him to be a part of a team. But he says that hasn't ever worked out that well for him, so now it's all about Mojo Riley. Main event time, Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin versus Braun Strowman and Kurt Angle. Angle finally gets tagged in and delivers a series of German suplexes to Corbin and McIntyre. Angle goes for another German on Corbin, but gets back into the turnbuckles. Angle hits an angle slam for a close two count on Corbin. Strowman takes out McIntyre with a shoulder tackle and then attacks Corbin. The ref rings the bell for the DQ since Strowman was an illegal man. Strowman goes after his opponents on the outside of the ring, but gets, uh, but gets Claymore kicked in the face for his trouble. They slam Angle into the ring steps to start picking things apart, putting the base of the steps inside the ring. They go for a double choke slam to Angle on the steps, but Strowman interferes and gives choke slams to Corbin and McIntyre on the steel steps. Angle and Strowman stand tall as your show comes to an end. And out. Here we go. The tag. Here comes Strowman. Strowman now legal. Off the tag. Braun Strowman with a shoulder tackle. Knocks down Corbin. Braun Strowman now on fire. Look out. Strowman with a splash. A clubby blow to McIntyre. Uh-oh, the Scottish psychopath might be ready to get these hands. Good, he taunted Braun Strowman. He gets everything coming his way. Looking for the running power slam is Braun Strowman. McIntyre, though, from behind. Corbin and McIntyre working together in a double team. Strowman crashed hard to the outside. Corbin now on the apron. Corbin taking advantage. Now the legal man. Here comes the Hall of Famer. And Kurt Angle with a German suplex to Corbin. Ducks underneath and a German now to McIntyre. One more, come on. Angle still got something left. There goes McIntyre. Kurt Angle now stalking Baron Corbin, but Corbin backs him into the corner. Angle still has... A flurry left in him. This is that version of that warrior. That Kurt Angle with the angle slam. Angle slam by Angle. Hook of the leg now. McIntyre saving the matchup. But here comes Strowman. What a tackle. Drew McIntyre inside out. 
Hey, coach, you're doing that. Come on now. Hey, hey, he can't touch me. He can't touch me. You can't touch me. You can't touch me. You'll be DQ. You can't. You'll be disqualified now. Come on. Oh, no. Yeah, Strowman doesn't care. He goes right after Corbin. Corbin set over the top rope. Braun Strowman, not the legal competitor for his team, made contact with Corbin, who is the legal competitor on his side. Obviously a forced disqualification, but Strowman has come unglued. Yeah, the monster among men has taken out McIntyre and Corbin here. Oh my God, still steps in the ring. What the hell are these guys going to do to Angle? The same thing they did to Braun Strowman. Yeah, the dog. Oh, wait a minute, Strowman's back in the ring. Braun Strowman's back in the ring. Uh-oh. Strowman with some payback. Chokeslam to Corbin. That was your Monday Night Raw for this week. Uh, that was a weird disqualification, though. That finish, G. You ever seen a disqualification like that? I can't remember one. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's all hell breaking loose, and then exactly. all of a sudden the ref is like, "Hey, man, don't do anything to him. I'm gonna have to disqualify disqualify you, huh?" After all this stuff that you just witnessed go on in this match, now if I just and then, you know, he hit them, and then, of course, they called a match. Like, what? I guess, in theory, that probably has happened when somebody's gotten hurt, though. And the guy, he really can't continue. And then the ref probably just, you know, came up with something. Like, yeah, let's get this over with. Right, right. But, yeah, so everybody was, in a way, kind of looking at that finish going, oh, that was a little weak. <laughs> But your thoughts on Monday Night Raw in general? Ah, uh, well, I'll give the the YouTube version because uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is the per, to per, the preferred delivery uh, method for me. I, I'll give it a give it a I give it a, a two point one. Um, yeah, it really wasn't that good this week. After the week that they had the week before, which was really good uh, in comparison. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's about a two on a scale of five. Yeah. It didn't do too much to really wow or impress. So, and again, they're suffering from just not a lot of star power. They got a lot of people hurt on Raw right now that could really make the show so much better. You know, not having like Kevin Owens is really starting to show now because you need some more people who can talk. They don't have enough people who can talk. Yeah, they can really eat through the segments. Right, right. And, you know, he he's good at backstage stuff. You know, him and Sami Zayn could carry two-thirds of a show, just them doing buddy cop shit. And, you know, that leads to a match or something, so. Yeah, but on the other end, or the, on the other side of the coin, you know, this should be the time in which you, you know, see what the other guys or, or gals have. Like, they should be getting opportunities to, to try to shine. So, this is their time. They should be making the most out of it before the others come back. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, definitely give everybody a chance to step up, step the game up. But you got to be also put in a position to. It's like, you know, they tried to do something with Apollo Crews and they tried for like one week and then maybe two. And then, you know, he's just doing backstage stuff again. So they got to also on their part kind of keep the same energy with some of these people. So I don't I don't always think that they, you know, but if it's like if it doesn't hit the first week, then they just turn their back on it and be like, okay, that didn't work. We're going to do something else instead of maybe giving it a couple of weeks to let it sink in. Yeah. You know, everybody doesn't catch on to stuff right, right, right away. But if you give it a couple of weeks to sink in, then you'll get to a point where, okay, we got them. Now we just need to make sure that once we got them, we, we take off from here. So we'll see how things go. Is Mr. Dijonet on the line with us? Miss Didi, are you there? Oh, she's on mute. Hope she's okay. So, I'll go into the SmackDown Matters portion of the show. Uh, this was from Everett Washington. I've never heard of Everett Washington before, so I can't even tell you where that was near on the map. But apparently these people loved them some Daniel Bryan, so... That's apparent at the end of this uh, evening. Charlotte comes out. Queen is on her way to the ring. Get a video recap of Stephanie suspending Becky on Monday Night Raw. Charlotte gets on the mic. She says the only thing worse than arrogance is ignorance. She blames Becky's own rogue behavior for getting herself suspended. Charlotte sarcastically hopes that Becky is healthy enough to compete at WrestleMania. Charlotte then expresses that she is a 100% and would love to face Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. Becky walks down from the crowd. Fans are going wild. Charlotte berates Becky for not only stealing her father's catchphrase, but now stealing Roman Reigns' entrance. Becky grabs her own microphone. She says that the man has returned to SmackDown Live. Her and Charlotte get into an argument with a series of referees and securities guards in between them. Triple H is here. He comes out and he tells Becky to her face that she is suspended and that she needs to go home and see the doctor. Charlotte's taunting Becky in the background. Triple H tells Charlotte to get out of the ring. And uh, uh, he tells Becky, see the doctor, get cleared. Becky admits that she doesn't trust any of the authorities, the doctors, because she doesn't want her opportunity taken away. Triple H tells Becky to go home. Becky fires back by asking Triple H how Steph is after she punched her in the face. Triple H was about to leave. He says that he bought into the man gimmick. But now he believes that Becky is just a self-destructor. He theorizes that Becky is doing whatever she can to look for a way out. The crowd tries to start a Becky chant, but Triple H tells them to shut their mouths. He reminds Becky of her reckless decisions that cost her her Survivor Series match with Ronda. Triple H then pokes at Becky. Is your knee even injured? Triple H says that Becky is scared. Scared not that the doctors won't clear her, but scared that, that, that she will be cleared and Rhonda will expose her as a fraud. You will prove to everyone that Becky Lynch fears Rhonda Rousey. Becky slaps Triple H across the face. The two have an epic stare down and Becky is just smiling. She eventually leaves through the crowd the same way she came into the arena. We have Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev versus the Good Brothers. Big men bounce off the ropes, take each other out with the double lariat. 
Lana helps Shinsuke get back to his feet while the Good Brothers go for the Magic Killer. Shinsuke breaks it up. We get a Kinsasha on Gallows. Anderson hits a sick kick. Rusev with his own super kick on the Anderson. And Rusev gets the pin. So Shinsuke and Rusev are victorious. This was a quick little match. Too bad the Good Brothers didn't get their, the win. They could have used a good outing. It's been a long time since they won a match on SmackDown. We get a cool promo from Mustafa Ali. He says that no one expects him to survive against Randy Orton tonight or at the survivor or at the elimination chamber, excuse me. What if the Viper goes to strike and he misses? asks Ali. What if I become WWE champion at Elimination Chamber? Then Ali ends the segment by showing off his cool mask. Get a promo from the Usos. They say that Shane and Miz call themselves the best tag team in the world, but mock them for their odd relationship. They say that at next week's McMiz TV, what they're going to be welcomed to the Usos penitentiary. Randy Orton faced off against Mustafa Ali. Orton goes for his draping DDT, but Ali blocks it and decapitates Orton with a head kick, and then he rolls through with a face buster. He goes for the cover. Orton kicks out. Back on their feet, Ali goes for the middle rope. He fakes Orton out, who is waiting for the RKO. Ali hits Orton with a huge tornado DDT. He climbs for the 054, but Orton pulls Ali's foot off the top rope right into the RKO. Randy Orton gets the win, and in that win, Samoa Joe attacks Randy Orton for the culture. We get the Coquina Clutch, and Samoa Joe chokes Randy Orton out. Joe then gives the boots to Mustafa Ali on ring, to the ringside area, and the crowd chants, Joe, 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 as he walks up the ramp. WWE Champion Daniel Bryan comes out. Joe and Brian stare each other down. Joe aggressively approaches Brian, but Eric Rowan comes out to stand next to the champ, which slows Joe down. Joe taunts the champ, but leaves without a scuffle. Misty Dijonet? Yes. Would you like to jump in, or would you like me to finish this out? You can come in. I'll jump in when you least expect it. Okay. Samoa Joe is cutting a backstage promo. Joe says that Randy wouldn't learn what he is about tonight, and at Elimination Chamber, Joe will receive justification for all the hard work he has done over the years and become the new WWE champion. Brian gets on the mic. Finally, I get to talk to people who understand what I'm trying to do here, exclaims Brian. He calls the people of Washington smart people and says that they understand that the world needs to change. He adds that, unfortunately, he must represent the entire globe as the planet's champion and convince the WWE Universe to stop stuffing their face with disgusting meat products. Brian then holds up the title, and he calls the new belt a symbol of excellence and a symbol for change. Rowan gets on... Really, that's a symbol of, of hemp. <laughs> Legalize it. Don't criticize <laughs> Uh Rowan gets on the mic. He begins quoting Galileo. He says that people fear Brian and Rowan because he holds the title. Rowan says that as long as Brian is WWE champion, they will try and silence him. Dan Brian gets back on the mic, stating that he serves a greater power than corporate greed. I am the planet's champion, he yells. He then goes on to talk about how the suits backstage never wanted him to be champion, and that's why they put him in the Elimination Chamber. Brian then recalls being in the Elimination Chamber matches in the past, and then he directs everyone's attention to the Titantron, where they show a chronicle of Elimination Chamber matchups. After the video concludes, Brian calls out his chamber opponents one by one, ending with Jeff Hardy. 
He says that they all want to take his title and put it on a leather strap once again. Brian states, that's why you need me. Brian and Rowan leave the ring and celebrate on the entranceway. Backstage, Jeff Hardy, he's been watching this. Hardy tells the interviewer that no one has disrespected the WWE Championship more than Daniel Bryan. Hardy says instead of going out and shutting him up, he'll make him shut up in tonight's matchup. AJ Styles comes in. Styles wonders if Jeff Hardy's recent history makes him the man for the job to defeat Daniel Bryan. Hardy fires back, stating that the old AJ Styles can't defeat the new Daniel Bryan. They take a few more jabs back and forth before Hardy tells Styles that they'll finish this in the Elimination Chamber. Hmm. Promo from Carmella and Naomi. Okay, so what do you feel about the formation of this tag team? Uh, who is with Naomi and... Ooh. Carmella. Oh, I don't know why that was so hard for me to remember. Uh, it, Asuka's not available, you know? Right. So, with that being said, I actually don't mind it. Asuka would be better, but she's she's otherwise occupied. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the future. I don't like that they're the fabulous glow. I think glow money would be better. But, oh well. Glow money? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, I can see it. Uh, Naomi says that oh. <laughs> she says that the sob story that Mandy Rose told about their days on Tough Enough wasn't true. Carmella says that they form the Fabulous Glow and they'll become the first ever women's tag team champions. Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose are interviewed backstage. Sonya says that the newly formed team of Carmella and Naomi are not experienced enough to compete with them. And unlike the other women in the ring, they've actually been in the Elimination Chamber match before. Mandy ends the interview by saying Naomi has never pinned her, and I must be doing something right. Uh, how do you feel about their team name, Mandy Rose and uh, Sonya Deville, uh, Fire and Desire? They are not Rick James, they are not Tina Marie, and they need to stop. They should have been vicious and delicious. Oh, sure. I don't have a good name for them. They're both born. <laughs> Shout out to Buff Bagwell and Scott Norton back in the day. Uh, Carmella and Naomi versus Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville versus the Double Iconics. Carmella mm-hmm. escapes the abdominal stretch and tags in Naomi. Naomi chases Mandy Rose to the outside, but Rose tags in Sonya Deville. Naomi runs through everybody, nailing Sonya with the springboard enziguri and kicking both the Iconics in the head. Mandy gets back on the apron. Peyton tags her in. Naomi unloads shots on Mandy. Peyton surprises Naomi with a clothesline, but Naomi lands to eat the feet. Mandy sneaks behind Naomi. She does the Ciampa's uh, finish, the fairy tale ending, or the Pinchy Loco if you watch New Japan, or the Angel's Wings if you're a Christopher Daniels fan. And Mandy Rose... Gets the win over Naomi. Boo. Man, this was some bullshit. Oh. The double iconics are right there. Like, why why couldn't somebody <laughs> pin one of them? Bullshit. Uh, but who you want to Naomi? Naomi showed her ass though, boy. She was doing all kinds of disaster kicks and mm-hmm. Yeah. She was getting it on. But you know, this is like People may not like the story 
but the actual crowd is really invested in Naomi beating up Mandy Rose. <laughs> yes, they are. As you should be. They are like, yes, we just want to see you get your hands on her. Mm-hmm. Same. Backstage, seeing Almas and Selena Vega address the WWE Universe. Vega says that what happened to Mysterio was only the beginning because the legend of seeing Almas begins with Rey Mysterio's end and they do their, you know, heel smile to end the promo. We get a video package for Asuka. The highlight reel shows off Asuka's recent return to dominance, which culminated at TLC when she defeated Becky Lynch and Charlotte in the triple threat ladder match. Mm. Main event time, Jeff Hardy versus Daniel Bryan, non-title match. We get yes kicks from Daniel Bryan. Hardy dodges the final one and then hits the twist of fate. Jeff Hardy climbs again for the swan time. This time he hits it. Jeff Hardy, he gets the cover, but Rowan grabs Hardy and pulls him out of the ring for disqualification. Rowan throws Hardy back into Bryan, who locks in the LaBelle lock. Samoa Joe runs in out of nowhere. He shoves <laughs> Rowan into the ring post. He puts Bryan in the coquina clutch, and Daniel Bryan is out. Then Randy Orton comes out. He and Joe trade strikes in the center of the ring. Mustafa Ali joins in on the fun. Uh, he hits a double missile drop kick, taking out Joe and Orton. He goes for a suicide dive onto Rowan, but Rowan catches him and grabs him like in the claw, picks him up, mm-hmm. and choke slams him on the announce table. AJ Styles' music hits. He runs down. He faces off with Randy Orton in the ring. We get an integrity by AJ Styles. He boots Samoa Joe to the outside. And he follows that up with a phenomenal forearm on the Jeff Hardy. We go backstage. Dan Bryan is interviewed as soon as he gets into the gorilla position. He's screaming in anger. He says Rowan didn't even help him. Rowan is his intellectual peer, and no one understands that Dan Bryan will be the WWE champion forever. Hardy to the top. Here we go. Swat on Bob. He got all of it. Hardy into the cover. And Rowan spoiling this for Jeff Hardy. Oh, into the steal. That's why Rowan is associated with the WWE Champion. And that's going to earn a disqualification, and the monstrous Rowan has wiped out Hardy's chances of pinning the champion. The LaBelle lock is in. The match is over. Jeff Hardy's victorious by disqualification, but the damage is being done. Wait a minute. Joe again? Samoa Joe. Getting Orton earlier tonight wasn't enough. He wants Brian. Came to put a champion to sleep. Oh, Orton wants some retaliation from earlier on tonight. It is breaking down in a hurry. Just imagine what's going to happen when you lock these men inside the elimination chamber. Absolute unbridled chaos is what's going to happen. Orton and Joe scratching a coin in all the way. Mustafa Ali joins the frame. Out of the air. Takes them both out. Ali not to be underestimated. Whoa. Oh, and wipes out Samoa Joe. Ali now. Surveying the field. Oh, caught by Rowan. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Pounded him by the forehead. Into the table. Good grief. Oh, hold on. And Styles coming out to survey the wreckage here at ringside. Big kick by Styles. Styles has embraced his killer instinct. Oh, that's Samoa Joe. Styles is going to need that instinct and then some in two weeks inside the chamber. 
Jeff Hardy, phenomenal form to Hardy. And the new Daniel Bryan has hightailed it away from ringside. Tonight, you escape SmackDown Live with the aid of Rowan. No, 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 no. Rowan is my friend and my intellectual peer. I went out there and I did that by myself. You see, because I am the best. I am the greatest. That's why I am the WWE Champion. Okay, Rowan, he doesn't hang around me to be my bodyguard, no. We, we hang out together because we're intellectual peers. Do you not understand that? Are you not smart enough to understand that? All those guys just interfered in my match. Why? Because they want some of this. Guess what? They aren't going to get any of this. Not an elimination chamber. Not ever. Because the new Daniel Bryan is going to be the WWE Champion forever. And do you know why? Because that's what the planet needs. You don't understand it. They don't understand it. Nobody understands it but me and Rowan. And that was your SmackDown for this week. Uh, let me get your thoughts on seeing uh, Samoa Joe yoke up um, Randy Orton. What did that do for your spirit, ma'am? Um, um, imagine if you got a bonus at work that was tax-free. Right. Like that. Very bad. <laughs> it's like, yes, for the culture. It was like my people. Get him. Let him have it. He told him that when he told when he got him, it wasn't gonna be out of nowhere. Right. He was like <laughs> right in your face. <laughs> did you enjoy SmackDown? I did. I did. I that was the day that I had gone drinking. So I, I had tacos because it was Tuesday. Of course. So I, I missed parts of it, but I saw most of it. I missed I missed the man. Oh, and all beginning. of her Triple H interactions, which I know was probably the highlight right. of, the, of the episode. So I, I did miss that. But I, you know, the interwebs keeps me up to date. So I saw most of it. Yeah, the highlight definitely was the opening segment. Triple H and Becky um, facing off nose mm-hmm. to bigger nose. And it's so funny because she ain't that tall, but she get in people's faces. <laughs> Yeah, she's she's awesome. She's she is the best. Um, the SmackDown Six are really killing it right now. Even though they they're missing Rey Mysterio right now, they kind of substituted Daniel Bryan back in for him. Hmm. What's going on with Rey? Nothing. He's just well, playing. he just no, he just going with Andrade right now. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. So, but SmackDown was fun as usual. So I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> you are listening to the WrestleCast. The WrestleCast can be found on the CSPN on the web at CSPN.us. You can also find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and Spotify. So, Miss Didi, it's time for everybody's favorite show, <laughs> NXT. Mm-hmm. The NXT North American champion, Johnny Gargano, he's headed to the ring and he's in a good mood after defeating Ricochet for the North American title. The champ says that he feels validated and Johnny Wrestling is back. Then NXT champion Tommaso Ciampa comes out. Ciampa stops on the ramp and he says that he's here to celebrate Gargano's moment. Ciampa said Gargano listened, followed the champ's lead, and now he has that title. We own the world, Ciampa says. He goes down memory lane and says that this is everything they worked so hard for, and this is their moment. 
Gargano says that there is no hour moment, and the only reason he came out at the end of TakeOver was to show him face-to-face he'll never need Ciampa. Velveteen Dreams music hits, and he strolls out to tell the champ, this is cute. He says, tonight it's not about either of them. It's about the man who took over Phoenix by simply showing up. Dream says he won the World's Collide Tournament, and he gets to pick which champion he wants. He looks at Ciampa and tells Ciampa the dream is over, and he doesn't want to wrestle Ciampa. Dream mm-hmm. heads inside the ring and says he wants Gargano. The champ says while Dream was sitting in the crown, he was putting on another match of the year and then represented NXT in the Royal Rumble match. I'm feeling on top of the world right now, and I'm feeling a little dangerous. If you want to use your title opportunity against me, go for it. I win. Dream says the real question is if he'll be in the ring with Johnny Champion or Johnny Jackass. The two exchange words in the ring a little bit before Gargano heads up the ramp. Ciampa is still there, standing, watching on. They kind of kind of stand side by side before, you know, Johnny goes on up to ramp. Mm-hmm. Velveteen Dream, man. He's a man. The crowd is all about some Velveteen Dream. They're about everybody he, at NXT. He's so good. Yes. He's awesome. and, and he's, like, big and imposing and all that great stuff. And then he's good on the mic. Mm-hmm. And then he's young as hell too, so it's like all the good parts. Mm-hmm. Jackson Riker with Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake versus Mansoor. Jackson Riker hits a sit down power bomb. He gets to one, two, three. After the match, Riker hits another sit out power bomb. Nothing to see here, folks. <laughs> Backstage, Kathy Kelly talks about Velveteen Dream and Gargano with Ricochet in the background doing a photo shoot. The Undisputed Era shows up. Adam Cole calls Ricochet a one-trick pony, and she should want to talk to him. Ricochet comes over and doesn't appreciate Cole's comment. Cole says Ricochet is now in the back of the line, and the title is hit, has his name written all over it. Ricochet says, how about they go one-on-one next week, and they can find out. Cole says he looks forward to it. Ricochet says it doesn't matter who he has to go through. He's getting that North American title back. Drew Gulak, he's making an appearance here on NXT, and he's going up against Eric Bugenhagen. <laughs> so this guy, Eric Bugenhagen, he looks kind of like Joey Ryan from Lucha Underground. Would you think, Dee Dee? Sure. But, yeah, we can go with that. And but if my New Japan fans will understand, he has kind of the charisma that Juice Robinson has when he comes to the ring. And what made this dude unique was he was playing air instruments to his ring music. So he came out playing the, the guitar, electric guitar, air guitar. <laughs> he was hitting the high notes. Then he was playing piano on the ring, on the ropes. He was using the ropes to play air drums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely used his, if you're going to be a jobber and, you know, <laughs> do what eventually happened to him, at least take your chance to stand out. And he definitely did. He got the crowd behind him. Absolutely. So Gulak hits Bugenhagen with a back elbow, a northern light suplex, an overhead release German suplex, and then the Gulak, and he gets Eric Bugenhagen to tap out. After the match, Gulak says that he travels all over the world on 205 Live, and he comes to NXT, and they give him Ben Stiller from Dodgeball, 
He says that he's the best submission specialist around and demands someone else come out. Matt Riddle heads out and tells him to get out of the ring and get out of NXT or he'll come down there and tap Gulak out. Gulak responds, how about you take your little flip-flops off and make my day? Riddle (laughs) says, you've chosen wisely, bro. He kicks off his flip-flops and it's on. That kid. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, we we real athletic. We just... Yeah, that's something you had to see for yourself. (laughs) Um, I wonder what the budget is on flip-flops if he's kicking them shits into the crowd like that on a (laughs) nightly basis. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, go, bring, give me the sandal back. Thank you. <laughs> so much. Drew Gulak versus Matt Riddle. Riddle gives Gulak a deadlift powerbomb, a crushing knee strike to the face, and it covers for a two count. Riddle goes right into a flurry of elbows to the side of the head. He applies the bro mission, and Drew Gulak taps out. After the match, they do the catch point handshake, and Gulak heads out. Okay, the catch point handshake is, if you noticed, they both grab their wrist before they shake each other's hand? Uh, No, I didn't notice. Okay, so this is supposed to be like something they do in fighting or like uh, catch wrestling that's supposed to be like, um, you know, sign of good match or you earn my respect type thing. Cute. Yeah, yeah. This match was really good. <laughs> they they came out of nowhere with this. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, um, Drew Gulak, um, you know he he's really good. And when they present him as a legitimate wrestler, not mm-hmm. with the you know the the he can be funny. He can do all the comedy stuff, and you know he's pretty good at talking on the microphone as well. But if he, you know, when they let him just be a true submission wrestler and go for the gusto like this, man, he's really good. Really, mm-hmm. really good. So now we get our main event of the evening. Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, and Kari Sane going up against Shayna Baszler, Jessamine Duke, and Marina Shafir. Now, this was probably going to be the match with Dakota Kai. Because remember, Dakota Kai was the uh, the yeah. other the other person here. But she, you know, of course, if you guys didn't know, she tore her ACL. So she's going to be out. Oh, I didn't know that. Poor baby. Yeah, so it's unfortunate. Kari Sane, she's looking to tag Io Shirai in, but Bianca Belair tags uh, Kari Sane instead. Belair hits the KOD on Shayna Baszler, and the pin gets broken up by Jasmine Duke and Marina Shafir. Jasmine Duke and Marina Shafir end up charging Io Shirai, but she pulls down the top rope, and they end up both crashed to the outside. Hmm. Kari Sane then gets up on the top rope, and she clears them both out with the crossbody. Io Shirai then tags Bianca Belair. She hits the moonsault, and then she gets the win on Shayna Baszler. So, of course, Io Shirai, she's pumped. She just pinned NXT Women's Champion. They just won the match. She's celebrating. She's making the motion about, you know, title shot. I got a chance to beat the champion. And uh, our girl, Bianca, um, she's she, she, she not happy at all. 
she she kind of has a little smile like okay yeah we won but um yeah that was supposed to be my moment what the hell are you doing mm-hmm. and then the very best part i don't know if you saw this but at the mm-hmm. very 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 end like right before it goes off mm-hmm. kari singh grabs the ponytail and is twirling it around like mm. two or three times Bianca snatches that shit from her and just <laughs> looks at her like oh hell no and then it goes off I died laughing I was like I don't even know if anybody saw that but clearly Curry Singh doesn't have the same uh, knowledge that Oscar does see that's what happens is there this between being cool with black people and having black friends <laughs> you know what I mean Curry's cool with black people Oscar got black friends friends and Naomi has told her you don't do that you gotta ask first it don't matter if it's in a ponytail or if it's loose it's still not for your hands because is your hands even clean when's the last time you washed them you was just punching Shayna in the face don't touch my hair with your dirty hands oh let's give a shout out to uh Bianca and her um Black History Month gear oh iconic so nice yeah She's so she's so dope, man. Everything about her every week just gets like she's the shit. She's yeah. the shit. Yeah. Like for how Velveteen Dream is the shit for the guys, she is the shit for the women for black professional wrestling. I could I could see that. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about this match because I know we all know your disdain for the uh, MMA bitches, as you like to put it. I do, and I and I'm having. I'm having moments where I'm trying to figure out why don't I like them? <laughs> like, because I can watch Matt Riddle and he's fine. And I'm trying to figure out if he's MMA as well. That echo is killing me. Hold on. Um, if he's MMA as well, why is it that they bother me so much? And I can't, I don't know if it's just like, I don't feel like they're ready. Like, I just feel like they just don't have enough time invested. Or they're just not good enough. Or maybe their faces just bother me. I don't know. I know you enjoyed Shayna taking an ass whooping in this match. Yeah, Shayna losing is correct. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Always a, that, po- a, pl- a plus and a positive in your book, huh? Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, you're not a better wrestler than Io, and you're not better than Kyrie, and maybe you're more ruthless than Bianca, but you're not better than Bianca, so... And then the other two girls, I feel like they've they've legitimately had less training than Shayna, right? Yes. Right. So I think that's clear when you see them wrestle all together. Like, their moves are still kind of hesitant. Like, they're not quite sure what is this what's next or is I yeah, that's what I do. So they're they're still kind of in that mode. And when you've got that going on, you don't deserve to win. <laughs> you, you you gotta put in your, your your sweat equity before you can get those kind of wins over like real established wrestler wrestlers. So yeah, Shayna taking the loss was correct and fun. And then it sets up Bianca being able to be a little bit bitchy to Io if necessary, and Kyrie and have a side issue if she needs to. Yeah, you, you just know? took the words right. That's a, my next point was going to be they kind of set up another story for Bianca and they set up a story for Io and Shayna. Because a lot of people think that's that's who's gonna win the title is gonna be EO, and then they're gonna have that match between EO and Kari. Mm, okay, that could be amazing. <laughs> but 
they had some cool spots in this. Uh, Bianca does the press slam, and she uh, press slams uh, Kari Singh into her elbow drop. That was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Uh, as a part where she was showing out, and she does her series of flips, and then she did them all the way to the turnbuckle. She jumped up on the turnbuckle and then the backflip off of the second rope. Just showing, just showing off. <laughs> just showing off. So, yeah, another good episode of NXT. The the Eric B- Bagenhauer dude stole the show. They had an awesome match between Matt Riddle and Drew Gulak just pop up out of nowhere. And then this main event was really fun. And it set up yeah. some good stuff at the end. So please go check out uh, NXT this week. It was a good episode. Absolutely. All right, Miss Didi Jonet. At this point in time, I'm going to turn it over to you for your shout outs and thank yous. Oh, shout out to. Jay keeping me up late at night watching my 600 pound life. Um, I don't know if you all know, but little Miss Lacey fell out the car and hit the ground. It's amazing. <laughs> shout out to you, of course. Shout out to Greg, Sam. Shout out to Mel because Mel always gets shout outs. Um, shout out to all the ladies who are going to end up going to Canada for SummerSlam. Jade can't go, which means we have to represent. Yeah, I believe that's it. Don't think I'm missing anything important. Yeah. All right. I'd like to thank Miss Didi Jone for joining me this week, as always. I'd like to thank uh, Magnum Prime for joining us, Sam as well. Give a shout out to Classic out there in the world, everybody here on the CSPN. Thank you for all the hard work and time and effort you put into making the podcast network go each and every week. Please continue to support the Patreon page over on patreon.com forward slash CSPN Media. We've got a lot of content up there for you guys to check out, so please continue to do that. Also, don't forget to support audible.com. Go over there through CSPN.us. Click on the tab that says keep our podcast free at the top of the page. Click on Audible, sign up, get a free trial, and then once you like the subscription, you'll get 20% off. Continue to listen to Audible books you know good way to get your knowledge on you don't have to actually be you know sitting and having a physical copy of the book you can be on the go while you're at work or on your way to work or you know passing time cooking so Mm -hmm. good way to you know read books and still be able to do things that you like need to do around the house Mm -hmm. um to all my new japan folks thank you all for using the hashtag cast a strong style for the New Beginning shows, we're going to have the big New Beginning show this coming Monday. So, again, continue to use the hashtag Cash Strong Style. Me and Anwar Starwin will be getting together soon to re- release a review show of all three of the uh, New Beginning events. And I think that's all I got as far as the wrestling stuff goes. I uh, thank you to everybody who used the hashtag Broadcast SmackDown Matters. Uh, continue to share, retweet, tell a friend download the podcast um rate and review five stars all that good stuff that you know mm-hmm. every other podcast asks for do that for the wrestlecast as well we'd greatly appreciate mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. so for my smackdown matters correspondent miss Didi jonay for the rawcast broadcast journalist magnum prime i'm your host don de Lorente, and this has been episode 223 of the wrestlecast please stay tuned for the parting promo You want the suspension lifted? See the doctor. Get medically cleared. 
go to WrestleMania, face Ronda Rousey. That's all you gotta do. Until then, go home. That was Steph. You know, it's funny, I didn't see it until now. Now it's clear, I've seen this a million times. I didn't know, I'm not sure why I didn't see it. I bought into this whole, I'm the man crap, just like they did. But the truth is, Becky, you're not the man at all, are you? That's a lie. You're just a self-destructor. Afraid of failure, aren't you? That's all this is. You can stand there with that smug look on your face, but I can see the look in your eye. You know I'm right. You are just looking to be a martyr. You are looking for a way out of this whole thing. That is why when you scratched and clawed your way to the top pinnacle of your career and you got that Survivor Series match with Ronda Rousey, you recklessly came to Raw the next night looking for a way out. And you got that way out, didn't you? Is your knee even hurt? Or is this just an act to find a way out? You're scared. You won't go to the doctor because you're scared of what he'll say. Now you'll say that you're scared he'll tell you you can't go to WrestleMania and face Ronda Rousey. But the truth is, you're scared. You're scared he'll tell you you can go to WrestleMania and you can face Ronda Rousey. You're scared, Becky, because if you do, you're afraid that at WrestleMania, Ronda Rousey will expose you as the fraud that you are. You are afraid that on the biggest stage of them all, with the whole world watching, you will prove to everyone that Becky Lynch fears Ronda Rousey. in a row, Becky Lynch has assaulted a member of the McMahon family. I don't know if that was brazen or downright insane. What is Becky Lynch doing?